Hey, welcome everybody. It's time once again for another episode of Driven by Design. The only show that shows you the future of automotive design. One car, one conversation at a time. With the man who seems to know everybody to talk to in this industry, our driven designer, Brian Thompson. Hey, Brian. Hi, good morning. Hi, Paul. Nice to see you. Hello, everybody. What a special what a special occasion. You're up in the Bay Area, and you have an opportunity to be with your a man that you th- claim was one of the mentors in the business, certainly a legendary designer of cars like the Mazda Miata and others. Uh, why don't you uh, introduce him and bring him in? I will. Uh, yeah, we are going to be talking to none other than Tom Matano today, who is uh, famous for creating the Mazda Miata, the RX-7, and a whole host of beautiful, timeless designs uh, in that era of Mazda. And then I was lucky enough to have him as my mentor uh, in the car industry. So here is Tom. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Hi, Paul and Brian. <laughs> I, so I'm looking at Tom and I are in separate rooms with glass windows. So I'm looking at Tom, but <laughs> run over each other's speech patterns. So I wish our audience could see how this is working. <laughs> well, we're trying to get you on two separate lines. I made you call in on two different phones, even though you're really physically in the same uh, building here and in the same room here. Well, I, I, I this is going to be a lot of giggles and laughs I can tell here today because you two obviously have a history. Talk about the history and how you two work together and what you did. <laughs> oh, gosh, Tom, I think Go it's ahead, Brian. you tell it. Oh, well, I'll tell a little bit, and then you can. So I, I was designing for Nissan uh, for a decade, and then one day uh, a colleague of mine named Anka Bodak came to my desk and said, uh, you're leaving, and I'm leaving with you. And we left to work for a startup car company. And the reason she said that you're leaving without even asking me was that uh, the design of the vehicle was being led by none other than Tomatano, who I was very much aware of and a fan of. Uh, and so uh, I reached out to Tom and he agreed that I could style the car under his tutelage. And we walked out the door and started this adventure. <laughs> How about that, Tom? <laughs> oh, that, that sounds good. I agreed, to, I agreed to do this design project. And then all of a sudden, he said, oh, we got a designer for you. <laughs> yeah, that happened to be Brian and and can we tell what the project was, or what what was it? Is that still secret, or is that did it happen? What was it that you guys designed? How long ago was it now, Brian? Oh my gosh, it was 2010 that we started that, so a good nine years ago. Wow! Uh, yeah. I was at Nissan for a decade, uh, an even decade, and um, you know, it, so since then I've done so many startups, but that was the first one. But what it was was a uh, a startup Silicon Valley uh, enterprise that was essentially looking to create an entry-level vehicle uh, that would be sort of like a modern-day model, model T, where they were all exactly the same, and they would cost $10,000. Wow, but, okay. Yeah, and, it, and, and um, they actually had a great proposition, but you know, the thing I learned along the way with a lot of startups is that if they don't partner with a major manufacturer, they, they sort of get all the way down the line, and then they, and they find out what the, um, the, the, you know, the, 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 the reality is, yeah, right. Yeah. Can I ask that question? Can I ask that question of both of you? Because we've never talked about this, but as we've said on this show, my late great father was a an ex- car executive for Chrysler Corporation and uh, knew the people that started the DeLorean back in the 80s, some of, the, some of whom had worked for him at Chrysler. And he was convinced it was going to fail from the beginning. Now, we've seen car companies have been created like Tesla, 
but it's hard. Can we, his, his theory, you know, he, he died before he saw the Tesla ever come to life. Uh, his theory was it's too big, too complicated, too expensive to start car companies anymore. It's not the days of Henry Ford. Well, can can we start car companies again, or is it just, are the odds stacked against you? No, you have to have a um, patience to see the fruits come through into, you know, return of investment won't happen until like five, six, seven years down the road. So you have to have that sustainable... No, no pun intended down the road here, but yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so it takes so a while to see that. Many of them fail. You know, they don't realize that initial outlay is okay, but to get to production, to get to distribution, to keep the stock going, you know, the inventory going, that's a lot more money than you think it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's uh, and, and 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 I've seen it. Uh, you know, it's been nine years now, so I've seen that over. I mean, I've seen that over and over with startups. The the fun part about startups is that they're fast and you, they're very creative and you do a lot of really neat work. But you know, I've worked on a few that make it, and a few of them get it. A few of them get it that they need some help. Uh, it's the ones that don't have the chip on their shoulders that I always have a good feeling about. It's the ones that are going to show the industry how it's done, where you're like. Mm. Maybe you need to learn a little bit more about how the industry is done before you break the rules. <laughs> and and do you start with the basic components from somebody else? Do you get the drivetrain and the transmission and all the other stuff, uh, the basic frame from somebody else, the engines, or do you have to start from scratch and do all that stuff too? I think it's all case by case. Some have a technology that will be innovative, and they want to build the car around their technologies. Or some cases, they got a whole concept of new marketing, new distribution, new, new, you know, new uh, selling the cars, and they may use components to make that happen. So it's case by case. So you're talking about the Tesla, like the Tesla obviously didn't need to buy a, a, an engine because there is no engine. It's a, it's well, a. Tesla was a technology of the whole electric drivetrain, and to showcase it or put the name in the market, they they used that Lotus frame to create the roadster mm-hmm. that was a quick way to avoid all the testing of our crash testing and all yeah the right to the market so and then and then they brought in a design team uh, you know Franz von Holthausen from Mazda also <clears throat> one of was Tom's successor at Mazda really I didn't know that okay um, and that's why if you think about it um, that's why Tesla's look like Mazda's because Mazda's in that era under Franz were, were of his DNA and styling and uh-huh. Uh-huh. Part of a Mazda from Franz's era next to a Tesla. It's remarkable how similar those vehicles are. A very different Mazda period than Tom's period. And I think, actually, that'd be a great. I'd love to hear Tom talk about cars like the Miata, the RX-7, and his design philosophy, if only because it's influenced me so much. But I also think on a larger level, there's there's a way that Tom designs that is very unique in the car industry, and I would call it timeless proportion and and or and based on the human body. Do Do you want to talk about like your love of car design and what what like talk about like the Miata and how you styled that car and what what you were doing when you did that? Oh, that was um, you know beginning start with a convertible, so it's a lot different to designing the coupe or sedans. But again, the whole. I guess my design philosophy is should communicate what it is, what it does through the, the, the body design in a way. So Miata was like jogging shoes. 
never meant to oh. be like a like a sports car with a spike shoes. You know, you have to have a special track to run. They are day-to-day sports cars. You go around the block and you're having a fun. So that was a Miata. And then it has to convey that through the body shape. I never yeah, thought of it as shoes. Uh, we're, we're deciding. Talk about that for a second, because you said, and I saw a video you guys did earlier, and you say you put the car on you. I always think of me putting myself into the car, but you're almost like putting yeah. the car on you. Yeah. Yeah, to wear it or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Talk about that's that. I mean, that's a different take on how a car should feel or, or, or look or, or be designed. Yeah, so Miana was not really challenged the driver, but go with you. We know we go anywhere with you and having a fun. That was the Miata. Or you, you know, park on the side of the street and say, don't use that rough towel on me. You know, please be gentle with me. That's the sort of communication we put it into the surface. These cars, so you see them as, I'm sorry, we're all jumping each other. I'll ask one question and let Brian throw his in. Do we, uh, this is for Tom again, so do you see the car talking to people? I think so. My philosophy is if you're a really good design to communicate with people, if you park your car, you know, any shopping mall, whatever, and shut the door, try to walk away from your car, but a car make you turn your heads back one more time to look at the car. <laughs> and some car doesn't do that. You shut the door, walk away, never really looking back. Yeah. What you do you think of that, Brian? Oh, I, some cars, I mean, I, yeah, make you yeah. turn your heads to look at it, then make you smile or whatever. And that was a kind of car remember. that we wanted to build. Yeah, when we were doing the V car, that's what the car was called, the V car together. Yeah. The first time we worked together, that's what we would do. Is I would, <laughs> I would leave the studio at night, and if I didn't look back and look at it one more time, <laughs> then I knew that I hadn't done yeah. my job that day. <laughs> Interesting. I, I never heard of that. Yeah. You know, yeah. for Miata's concept, I said you brought the car home for the first day. You purchased the car, bring it home, take everybody for a ride. But the end of the night, before you turn into bed, you may sneak up into the garage and say goodnight <laughs> to the car. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. What a, what and a, then you, yeah. go, you go to Miata Club, and I say that. And how many of you did that? And they, almost 100%, they raised their hands. And they <laughs> somebody said, well, admittedly, I slept the night in the, in the car for the whole day. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't you know? leave it. Yeah. So it's almost... I know, I think... It's almost like a golden retriever. You bring it home, and and you can't yeah. you can't let it just sit out in the garage. You have to go out and pet him one more time here. That's exactly yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, and he, you know, what I think is, you know, and in getting to work for Tom for such a long time, I it's it amazing how much it like affected the way I designed cars. I thought I knew, you know, I, I was a decade at Nissan when I left, and I thought, you know, I know how to design a car. But when I started working for Tommy, it was like going back to school. It was like I, I had to like check all that ego and just uh, and it was like absorbing all my Yoda trainings for Luke and, and Star Wars. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, because, and because also he's very nimble like like Yoda. <laughs> but we but um, just that philosophy of that a car is anthropomorphic and to embrace it. But there's a there's a happiness to, to those vehicles and not in a cute way but in a very organic way. Um, Tom, I wanted to talk about um, one of my favorite stories is that your philosophy on how a convertible top should match the color of the driver's hair. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, because because I changed my my car's uh, roof to uh, my hair color gray. <laughs> but his hair went from black to gray. Yeah. yeah, that changed the color of the roof. <laughs> yeah, but if, why, Tom? Why is that important? Well, because you sit in a car, and you expose your heads to the the air, to the people's view. And you have another color next to you. I don't think it's good. <laughs> so should we have it in blonde and brunette and uh, and gray? Oh, I mean, okay. uh, most of those oh, yeah. people with a blonde or you know brunette hair tends to like like a beige or a tan color anyway. And then yeah, they, and a red they look, the red look better. So his his Miata, his personal Miata um, Mazda, dyed the. The, the top to, to the exact shade of his hair. Oh, come on. Oh, come on. I can't believe well, it. I had an inside track. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew the particular body color comes out two years ahead of time, so I had enough time to adjust the colors <laughs> to the top and the leather. Oh, my God. Interior. So how do yeah. you, uh, again, it's this idea of putting the car on you. It matches my hair. It it's shoes that that make me feel a certain way here. I never is, is that common? Is that different? Where did you come up with that idea? Because I don't. I think of me being inserted into an environment, not me putting it on like a suit of clothes. No, I think you know you're watching people in traffic and stuff start to feel, you know, that's what it is. Like we we were doing this luxury car, and I wanted to have as soon as they signed up until the car being delivered, I was going to give them a little color chips of, you know, the body color and interior color they pick, and they can go out and buy a purse or the shoes with those color chips. Oh, my goodness, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I wanted to... Although, you know, that that, okay. that didn't okay. happen, but I wish it could have been. Yeah, right. That, 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 that coordinated. It's an outfit. You coordinated with the rest of your outfit here. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and we, in fact, we, when we were working on the little car together, one of the cool things about that car is that it was, um, it was all, they were all offered in, in a kind of pearlescent white, uh, unpainted finish. Really cool. But the, the, the owner was going to be able to customize that finish uh, with graphics and stuff. And that is now becoming so popular. It's amazing how, like, like how literally we translated that idea. And um, in the, there, he's, he's always onto something with that that people so how do you customize it with graphics you do you just put pinstripes oh, on it or do you put a a, a yeah, caricature right. of you on it either whatever you, know, you want to do you can wrap the whole car mm-hmm so that's you right but, you know the technology there put, in the same way you can no no you can put your favorite team colors or team graphics or whatever you want to do yeah, and it's you know it's really neat because at that time the the technology wasn't there to do it digitally, but the technology was there to put uh, you know there's a real difference between customization and personalization. Customization is sort of like picking things. Yeah. You know, m- mini I would say is customization where you can pick like a checkerboard, you can pick this pattern, but personalization means it's one off, it's yours. And they they had a really great concept you know with 3M where you could upload graphics and then have them printed and then wrapped on the vehicle, and they figured out all the logistics and stuff, but what I find is that the, while the, the idea may have had problems in its execution, the concept had legs because I see that in the, in the vehicles I'm working on now, you know, 10 years later, 
uh, with a lot of smart screens on the outside of the vehicle, mm. glass that gives information. Yeah. That is what's actually happening. People, you know, the, the vehicles coming will change their personality depending on who's, drive, who's in them, uh, just like chameleons. And it, it's really cool to think that, and that's the way to do it. You don't actually need physical hardware. It's all done through software now, uh, and, and less commitment. So it's like changing an outfit, you know. So is it like a mood ring? I put it on, and it changes colors depending on the mood? Well, that could be you done, could, done too. What, but yeah, that could be done, too. Or simply, yeah. you know, tell people where you're going, or like, you know, if you're in a, you know, you have a certain kind of pattern that you like, texture. Uh, the smart glass is changing everything because also on the inside you'll be seeing information about, you know, where you're going or what yeah, you're doing. Right. Let's, let's just say, like, if you were, like, out looking for houses uh, for sale, the smart glass could overlay which houses are for sale and how much they cost and who to get a hold of, and et cetera, et cetera, as you drive by. I saw an amazing thing a couple of years ago from Corning. It was a proof-of-concept video they did about the future and it oh, showed you glass. The, yes. Yeah. And you walk, everything is glass, video. and everything's a video yeah. projection from your mirror to your glass door to the glass in yeah. your car to your countertop, everything. Yeah. Fascinating. That was a, such a great video, actually. It really was. Go look it up yeah. if you haven't seen it on the internet. You no, know, but talking about a personalization, I just came back from uh, England. They had a, their Miata Club uh, 30th year anniversary event. And they had over 2,500 cars there, all Miata. Wow. In they England. park with, you know, ears or colors or different groupings and stuff. The most amazing thing is all the owners go straight back to their own cars, even 100 red cars. They will go <laughs> back to their own cars. See, they got this personal connection with their own car. Yeah, it sounds like it. If, mm -hmm. if they left the factory, the old 100 cars are the same spec, same car. You know, they the can same. find theirs, yeah. Every yeah. every owner knows his, every dog yeah. knows his master here, yeah. Yeah, right. uh, it's amazing. Like I'm simply yeah. amazed. All right, yeah. so where did this sensibility come from, and how did Mazda come to embrace it? What, what made Mazda open to this approach that you bring to cars? A great question. Well, I guess I I, um, I joined Mazda, and they're like any other car companies, very you know straightforward, sure. no no emotional attachment to the vehicle. In fact, they're just a product. Right. But I always felt the cars more than that. So uh, by designing the surfaces to communicate, and that's the whole way. And if you look at a Mazda today, 30 years later. They are doing exactly that to differentiate themselves from the other car companies. And the, the boys doing it is the one came through my studio. And explain that, because you, you, that's clear to you. It's not clear to me. What does that mean, that the surface conveys something? I, I don't... <laughs> well, like I said, if you look at the RX-7, I don't know if you know or not the third-generation RX-7. I've seen it, yeah. Much it's the most beautiful one, the organic one. And, and then, yeah. like, say, hey... We went to the gym and toned the muscles. You got to try or challenge me or something. Mm -hmm. You know, that'll be the message. Mm -hmm. And for six months, we surveyed the owners who purchased the car, said their number one hobby is go to gym and work out. Really? Okay. <laughs> so we communicated through that particular psychology, so to speak, in a way. So one example, Mercedes did the Maybach, you know, the top of the line sedan. Yes, right. And the Rolls-Royce came up with a Phantom at almost the same time. Now, the difference between the two is when the Rolls come in, 
I feel like my my spine's going to straighten up and then it sort of step two, one or two back from the curbside. You know, when the rows come over, mm-hmm. authorization, that vehicle design does that to you. I'm the authority, you step back or, mm. you know. But a, my back didn't do it, just like S-Class. The people didn't recognize that being that special model. Mm-hmm. And they, that, they had can, to cancel that program once because of that. So, in other words, what Tom is saying is that the, the Rolls-Royce has a presence and a stature, and they've done that with design, but the proportion, the linear nature of the upright grille, the fact that the wheels are huge and out at the corners, and it's very almost architectural, the car. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Maybach, it could have almost been a Hyundai. You know, it was, it was very round and organic and soft and almost kind of meek-looking, right? And so mm-hmm. when you looked at the Maybach, you might, you might, somebody who's like keyed into the brand will be like, oh, that's a fancy car. But the feeling is what Tom is talking about. If you took the badges off the car, though, the Rolls-Royce would still do that to you. And the Maybach didn't really succeed, did it? It wasn't a real no, hit. No. Uh, they thought it was going to be the ultimate luxury yeah. competitor to the Rolls, and it didn't. It, yeah. it, interior always looks impressive, but there was something missing. Yeah. You're saying it was the majesty. Yeah. The majesty. That, yeah. That's exactly but, right. And, the, and so, the, you know, with, with Tom's philosophy, um, designing for Mazda, if you, if you look at the cars from that era, what I always thought was, what was fascinating for me, leaving Nissan and having helped uh, and participated in, the designing, in developing the design language of Nissan, which was very different from Mazda, ergo Tom's aesthetic, there was a lot of lines used to describe a Nissan. Uh, we, we relied on a lot of lines telling stories, as right. I like to say. And each one of those lines in the car were, were, were identifiable as, as, as creating an image or a feeling in the car. When I went to work for Tom, Tom doesn't use any lines. It's all shape. <laughs> <laughs> like like his highlights. renderings are beautiful highlights. Go ahead, talk about that. Tom. Yeah, explain that, because I'm trying to picture that as a non-creative person. So just, just to be yeah, clear okay. again, yeah, explain yeah. the difference. Yeah. For example, classic beauty is, you know, the car comes out to you, and a spark of a light hit on, like, say, headlamp, and then go through the whole body side, the lights lights up, and then tail end, and then car disappear out of your sight. Right. So that's sort of a nice-looking car in the past. Right. And today, some of the cars are designed by computer graphics and all, so they need a little bit more you know, more noise or, or, or different lighting, flashlighting. So the thing that Toyota does today is more like a mirror ball. You know, the lights are hitting every angle and just spot every way. Mm. Um, and then... Is, so no, like let me stop mirror. you for one second cause, because I think of my five-year-old grandson who needs five shiny objects. He has attention yeah. deficit disorder like his whole yeah. generation does. And he's yeah. got the, the, the smartphones flashing, the, the this is flashing, his tennis shoes are flashing. Every, he needs that constant stimulation. Yeah. You're saying that uh, no, almost overstimulation, true. yeah. Well, no, I'm not saying one's right or wrong, but that's how it is. Right. And so I consider that classical beauty is classical music. You know the how it is, like right. harmonies right. and rhythm and some accentuation comes in when the drum comes in or whatever and then new one that what we're doing now is like our uh, rap music you know rhythm and poetry you have to have a rhythm you have to have a, you know all the 
the jagged edges or whatever to right. to, to and a real strong thing. pulsating beat yeah. to it. Yeah, yeah. right. A so lot of noise. Listen to that music I and listen that. to I've those. I've never heard this Looking one. at those cars, you know, you can understand what's going on. Yeah. Now, to go back to the Mazda today is like they gone through the the classical music era, trained in classic, but they decided to do this. Modern jazz, you know, mm-hmm. that's how modern jazz is, came mm-hmm. out of a classic music training. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what Mazda does today, the lights dancing a little bit more than like a classical way, little snap and stuff. And I think it's a modern jazz that they are doing. Is it, I'm a big jazz buff, and the, obviously what makes jazz jazz is not just the syncopation, but the yeah. improvisation. You're not yeah. sure what's coming next. Is there an uncertainty to design or is or is it all well that that's a sort of surprise about light hitting in a different yeah. way than you normally expect but it's still overall within the context of you know harmonies and stuff wow now disrupting like a rap music we i wish we could I go really on for hours we're down to the last couple minutes here i'm wondering if we should do a part two of this one too brian here because this is we're just uh, starting we could keep building if, if, if tom has the time do you have do you have time tom for another like huh? 20 minutes or you got to get well, back yeah yeah i'm fine all right well let's do this let's wrap up today's episode here then with that theme because that's a very interesting idea of cars as music cars that uh that speak to you that sing to you that uh, mm-hmm. that call out to you to look back at them one more time i've never heard that whole idea how did mazda embrace that and is anybody else embracing that idea anymore that'll be the last question here how, well, how did I that idea go over at Mazda? How did you get them to do that at Mazda? And has anybody else got that idea today? Well, just, you know, like I said, the designs are always a human business. So we got the guys that embraced that when I was doing this, you know, those kind of work 25 years ago, 30 years ago. And they're hitting the studio. They're hitting a department. Uh, each key position is held by these people. So they've come up trained under this idea. Is that still, give me a car that's still doing that. You, you talked about more, some of them as rap, as, as disco balls, as, as multiple shining objects yeah, here. That's, that's more like a Toyota CHR would be the rap music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, there's, all, there's a lot going on. A lot yeah, going on. Juke would be another one. And who's um, who's doing who's sticking to your philosophy here? Who's still trying to I think surprise? The best one was best one still be the Mazda doing new Mazda three, or there are some other vision coupes and concept cars. Okay. Um, yeah, Mazda has a Mazda has a really interesting sensibility of all the Japanese because there's a it's a very emotional company, and when you drive a Mazda, uh, no, and, and and while Tom is talking about styling and design. It also infects uh, and infiltrates the engineering department as well yeah. because they're seeing what's happening in design. Yeah, so Mazdas are so. always fun to drive. Yeah, they, they make you smile when you drive a Mazda, and so it's like it's it, not every car company does that. And I think it's a it's a really neat thing. The the impact of Tom's work he's very humble, but the impact of his work is is uh, is pretty profound. 
Well, it sounds like it's been a, had a profound effect on me. It made me think here pretty hard. I'm going to have to go back and look at these cars in a whole different light today here and see which ones yeah. talk to me. <laughs> yeah, get back, I'll show you the little get back to me. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, let's wrap yeah. it up. The first episode here, we're going to come back and do a second episode that we'll uh, play later. So those of you listening uh, live or later, just know there's a second version of this coming up here. How do people reach you, Tom, if they want to talk more or learn from you? Is there any way to, are you in retirement? Are you out there actively working? Um, uh, well, I'm still teaching these uh, ideas to uh, future designers at the school here in San Francisco. Okay, what school is that? Our university. What school is that? The name of the school is Academy of Art University School of Industrial Design. Okay, all right. I'm, I'm heading that department. And is there a website or anything if people can want to learn more uh, about yeah. that school? Uh, I think www.academyart.edu. Okay. And he also has a great Instagram account called Miata Papa. Miata Papa. <laughs> Miata Papa is it's just full of great design inspiration. Tom is an Italian man in a Japanese body, as he always says. So he has the best coffee, the best... <laughs> the best suits, the best uh, shoes, <laughs> all that. Well, it's been... Yeah, because I, I couldn't sing a song like karaoke or I couldn't play golf and I don't <laughs> drink, so I out of Japan. You had to adopt another culture here, right? <laughs> well, I'm glad you adopted Brian and brought him into the fold, and I thank you for sharing it with us. Stick around, uh, and we'll do part two right after this. All right. You've been listening to another fascinating example of the people who are driven by design right here in Orange County's only community radio station, octalkradio.net.